Today, we've got two sellers who are childhood next-door neighbors, but now they're e-commerce partners who thrive in a lot of platforms like Mercari, Poshmark, and more that we might not think about. Now, these strategies are great for new sellers trying to build capital, or maybe some of you experienced sellers who want to get your kids started in e-commerce. How cool is that? Pretty cool, I think. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Serious Sellers Podcast by Helium 10. I am your host, Bradley Sutton, and this is the show. That's a completely BS-free, unscripted, and unrehearsed organic conversation about serious strategies for serious sellers of any level in the Amazon and e-commerce world. We've got a couple serious sellers here. Renata and Nicole, welcome to the show. Thanks for having us. Hi, thanks for having us. Now, what I like to start out always on the episode is kind of get the, the superhero origin story of the guest, you know. So uh, let's start with Renato. Renato, where were you uh, born and raised? Born and raised in Wichita, Kansas. I've been gone for a long time, but um, that in and of itself says quite a bit. So, <laughs> okay. I'm a, I'm a Midwestern girl, and uh, Nicole and I actually grew up in the same neighborhood. And Oh, um, wow. Yeah, I was a latchkey kid, and when my when my parents were gone, I was at home selling all their stuff. <laughs> okay, so 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 Nicole, you were you were born and raised in the same area. I was raised in Wichita, Kansas, but I was not born there. I was born actually in St. Louis, Missouri, but I was raised in Wichita, Kansas, and we were actually backyard neighbor. Like we were our wow. backyard backed up to each other. So we've been friends. Like the story is, we've been friends for years, like years. I love We've it. known each other for over 40 years. Yeah. Wow. Hey, you just, you just age yourself. So it's like, since you were uh one Kids. year old, right? Yeah. <laughs> we were like babies. <laughs> we were in the womb. Yeah. There, there you go. There you go. <laughs> all right. Now, so both of y'all, I, I would assume like maybe went to the same elementary school even. Um, I think we met. Uh, no. um, yeah. We didn't, we didn't actually um, move to that. I didn't move to that area till we were in elementary. And so we went to school together, I guess. What was it? I was in the, I was 10. So middle, I don't know. What, we went to middle school together and high school together. Okay. There okay. you go. Okay. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Now, now, when you guys were in middle school, try and think uh, back to that time, like what did each of you think that you were going to be when you, when you grew up? Like what was the, as far as career wise? So I was going to save the world. I wanted to be a corporate attorney. I went to okay. Girl State. I don't know if anybody knows what that is, but I went to Girl State and ran for attorney general and did all this stuff and then figured out that was a bunch of BS and I didn't want to do that. <laughs> didn't mm -hmm. want to do that because um, even with the elections and stuff back then, um, it was, you know, the politics. And so, yep, yep, sure. yeah, I, I did. I, I wanted okay. to be an attorney and I held on to that for just a little while. Like by the time I went to college, I decided I didn't want to be an attorney. But going into college, I had decided I wanted to be a journalist. And again, more BS, more politics. And so, no, went into um, technology. And All right, so hold, hold on. You, you're skipping too much. And Nicole's going to feel left out here. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Nicole? What, what were you <laughs> What were you thinking? What were you thinking about back then? Like when you're in middle school with Renata? And, um, and did you know that she wanted to be an attorney back then? And what did you think about that? I did not. But she was actually very, very active in a lot of different things. She was. I mean, I think she even did the cotillion and all this other stuff. So, and she actually did the uh, some pageants. So, yeah, she was very active. So, <laughs> I, on the other hand, was not. I was excited to just be able 
to ride my skateboard. So ironically, we lived near the health department and there was a big giant parking lot. So we would, I would ride on my skateboard and we would just hang out in the, in the parking lot and ride uh-huh. on our skateboard. Uh-huh. Yes. I was a skater girl. And then, um, one of the things we lived next door, ironically, besides the health department on the other side of us was a dog catcher, like the dispatch office where they would check in the dogs. Okay. And Oh, I wanted to save the dogs. And I even wrote the governor about the fact that I wanted them to stop. Like we would see dogs every single day and we would hear the dogs yelping inside the truck because they would come, they would pull in right next to our house Uh and you could hear the dogs just yelping in the back of the truck in the cages. And I just didn't want the the dogs to die. So that was my thing. I wanted to save the dogs. I didn't know how I was going to save the dogs, but I wanted to save the dogs. Was that like your future future ambition, like to work somehow in that field? Like when you, uh, yeah, I thought about being a veterinarian once and then I just was like, no, I'm not going to be able to do that. But I, I thought about it. I seriously thought about okay. being a veterinarian. I thought about trying to figure out how to save the dogs. I didn't know how I was going to do it. Cause as a little girl, you don't know how sure. to do that. Sure. That yeah, you, got like, some, so. you got some complex ladies on here. That's what you got. <laughs> <laughs> now, now did you, did y'all go to college after uh, high school? I did. Not yeah, I did. I mean, I, I, I did too, but I didn't go as long as she did. I actually got out very quickly. <laughs> okay. Well, what did each of you enter college? Like, uh, what was your major uh, in the beginning? So I went in, like I said, I wanted to do journalism. I went in and they told me I had to major in journalism. I didn't want to do that. I wanted to major in Spanish and minor in journalism. And unfortunately, the school I went to didn't offer that. They wanted me to major in journalism and tell me what to write about. I said, no. So I ended up in technology (laughs) and I was the kid that came from, you know, like the poor part of town. I wanted out. So I decided, well, I can make some money if I go into computers it was very male driven. I was the only chick in a bunch of my classes. We were the, you know, long time ago. So we were like out mm-hmm. depth, spread out on the floor, spread eagle decoding stuff and doing all kinds of stuff. So I was taking econ classes at the time. At the time, I decided to go into technology, but I was majoring okay. in economics. So I got my bachelor's in business. I went on to get an MBA. Okay. You know, it was business, but I had and been what was your first uh, gainful employment, like your first full time job uh, after getting out in in the world? I was a coder. OK. Yep. OK. So you actually you know, were able to do what you were went to school for. Not a lot of people say that right after uh, college. Now, now, Nicole, what what did you go into college with the uh, I mean, I, I think you said you didn't finish it, but what were you going to do? What was the plan? So the first time I went to college, I went to Wichita State University and I'd signed up to be in their nursing program. A shocker, right? Yeah, <laughs> shocker. Yes. Yes, <laughs> yes a shocker. Um, I was going to be a nurse. I was trying to get into their RN program. So I was going to have to do all the base classes before I could become an R, um, um, a registered nurse. So that was okay. the thing I wanted to do initially. Then I left. I probably was only there for one semester, maybe two. And then about three years later, maybe four, probably four. Um, I joined, I went into Kansas Newman uh, degree completion program for computer information. It was called CIS, computer information systems. And, um, I was in that program for about a year and then I left. Okay. I'm sensing a theme here. (laughs) 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 So, so like, like, was it, you got bored or, or, or what? Um, you know, I was doing too many things. Uh, Renata will tell you my entire life. I have actually always had two jobs. I'd be the chick that would have two, three, four jobs, just hustling all the time, doing 90 different things. I've done everything 
from clean toilets to make pizzas to watch people's dogs in their houses to like I was just I was hustling hard and mm-hmm. I couldn't maintain working a full time job and all my side hustles mm-hmm. and school. So I was like, OK, well, school's got to go. So school. Okay. <laughs> All right. Now, now uh, sticking with you for a second here, Nicole, how did, what was your first exposure to the, to the e-commerce world? Um, my first exposure to the e-commerce world was, I think, you know, it's kind of hard to say because I think I remember Renata giving me a link to something and I signed up and, or either I got a link and I think she sent me a link at the same time because somebody was really doing, like they were driving traffic. So we were both signing up for some link. Mm-hmm. For some, but prior to that, you know, I'd done, I don't know, like six or seven different network marketing companies. And I just like, yeah, it was not my thing, but I was trying to figure out how to make some money on the side all the time. Okay. I think right. that was the first foray and it was, um, it was eBay. That was my first eBay. foray. Uh, so, mm-hmm. so Renata, when, when was this, when did you, uh, and then how did you, if you were the one who introduced it to Nicole, like how did you find the eBay opportunity? I guess you could say. The thing came along with the drop shipping from Amazon over to eBay um, got a link for, I don't know. It was just, you know, people were driving traffic. I think Nicole and I were looking at it around the same time. It sounded super easy to do because, you know, they had mm-hmm. software and all this stuff around it by then. And she and I jumped into it kind of at the same time and started making money with it. And, and so, so this is like about six, seven years ago, 2000. And I think uh, 13, toward the end of 13, 13, I think is when we really started okay. looking at, at it pretty seriously. Right. Okay. So then you would so, just like take products that were on Amazon and then just put it on eBay. And then when you, when somebody buys it from eBay, you just, you know, use your Amazon buying account to, uh, to send it or was it vice or, or was it opposite? It started that way, but because I had already been selling on different platforms by that time, um, it was, you know, it just kind of opened my eyes to what was available out there. So it kind of started that way. You know, we re- we had some training available to us. And so we would find things on Amazon and I'm like, man, this stuff is pretty cheap. So when I would see it, I would immediately start listing it everywhere. I start listing it on Craigslist. I start listing it on eBay. Now, going back to Nicole, you know, I think a lot of people, you know, have sold on eBay. A lot of people sold on Amazon, you know, like their textbooks or their school textbooks or, you know, they want to sell their old video games on, on eBay. But uh, I'm assuming there was a point, you know, after you guys started selling where where it was kind of like that light bulb moment. It was like, wait a minute, man, I can like scale this thing like <laughs> this could actually be a, a main source of income here. Like, do you remember that moment when you kind of realize that? Yeah, I do. Um, so my the reason I actually have always been hustling, I feel like, is because of my kids. I I I want to back up probably about five feet just for a second. I got married. I ended up ultimately getting divorced, but I have two kids that are on the spectrum. So, you know, me, the shock of finding out that my youngest was autistic and having seizures, I needed to figure out how to make some extra money, how to get some extra money how to be able to cover his medical expenses, his therapies and all that other stuff. So I literally had to continue to hustle. I did everything from, uh, I got my insurance license, became a licensed agent and I sold insurance, life insurance and health insurance for a while. Um, I ran a candy vending business, which was extremely successful. And again, I used that money to cover his special diet, his supplements, his uh, therapy, speech, OT, um, ABA, all those therapies that you need when you have an autistic child. So that was my journey. And so when this came along, it didn't require me as a as a life insurance agent. I had to go out. I was excited about the fact that I didn't have to go anywhere. So that was the reason why I really started digging into this. And 
once I figured out that I could start making some money, I'll, you know, cause I just sold a bunch of stuff. I had, I always used to have garage sales too. So I was always trying to make some money for these kids. And so I, uh, once I listed a boatload of stuff and I made like, I don't know, $6,000 in like, uh, in October, just in sales on eBay, I was like, okay, well, this is a real thing then. Cause before it was just a thing, a random yeah. thing. Now it's a real thing. We're going to stop doing this, all this stuff, and we're going to do this. And so that's when I decided we're doing this over here. Okay. All right. Now, obviously, you know, we're, we're, we're five, six, seven years, you know, past that time. eBay is yeah. still around. Amazon is still around. But like knowing what you do now about the landscape on Amazon and eBay, and I'll, I'll, I'll put this question to uh, Renata maybe, like would somebody be able to do what you guys did back then now? Or, or is it so different, the landscape now, where doing that drop shipping Amazon to eBay is not viable anymore? Oh, no, it's actually way more viable now, like, again, because of the software that's out there, because people have kind of figured the whole thing out. I mean, when we were doing it, it was, you know, obviously it was doable. We did it. But, um, you know, there was a lot more work behind it. We were still figuring things out then. Now you've got um, software. You've got software that will figure out, you know, exactly how much of something you need to buy, what you need to buy, you know, when to put it out there, when to when to price it. You've got pricers. You've got all kinds of things now. For me personally, um, that model just, you know, I chose not to do that model anymore. I decided, uh -huh. you know, to do wholesale. I decided to do RA. There were things because I have kids, because I was always out, RA and OA, deci I decided that those would be the things that worked best for me. I'm always shopping because I have kids. My kids could tell me things. You know, there were things that just kind of fit into my lifestyle. Now, let's say, you know, let, let's make up an imaginary person who, you know, might only have about $500 or it's somebody else who's selling already on Amazon, but they were like, hey, I just want a different stream of income, not to have all my eggs in one basket here. Uh, I got $500. What's, you know, that that might not be enough for a, a, a private label product that you can scale up fast. You know, like, sure, you know, for 500 bucks, yeah, I can order some straws from China, you know, sell it for $6 on Amazon. I, I've actually done that before, but you know, that, that, that's not something that, that you're That's going to, you know, uh, give you any kind of meaningful, full income. So with $500, you know, knowing what y'all do now and, and all these different forms of selling, be it wholesale, drop shipping, uh, you, you mentioned retail arbitrage, online arbitrage, what would be kind of like your, your mini blueprint for somebody with that, um, on how they can just start generating some, some money on Amazon. So what I teach people is first I start always talk about start with stuff around the house. That is the easiest way to get started. And that's how I started. I started with whatever was in my garage, whatever um, I had available. Then I would also reach out to neighbors and also people I went to church with. I'm like, OK, if you're cleaning out the garage during spring cleaning, let's take a look at what you got. You know, if your wife told you to go dump that stuff up at the dump or give it to the thrift store, or, you know, donate it to the DAV. Can I please have all the stuff in your garage? When I first started, I probably had over $3,000 worth of inventory that I didn't spend any money on. And I made okay. over 6000 or more on that because people would just donate. So that's the fastest way to get started or finding stuff in your attic, your garage, your basement. Then the next thing that I would do is I would do a strategy where we would go find where people were giving like free stuff, like come pick it up. So we would, um, I would get in my car with my kids, load them up in the back, and I would drive around to all these places where people were just like, oh, it's on the curb. We have all this stuff. And then my third strategy was uh, garage how, how do you find out about th those? Are you, are you talking about like look, looking in Craigslist? Oh, I would, go, I would go to Craigslist. I would go to free sale. I would go to those sites. 
And then the other thing that I would do is um, I would go onto Facebook for Facebook garage sales, which the structure of Facebook garage sales are different now, but I would go to Facebook garage sales. And when people would say that they were having a garage sale on Saturday and Sunday, I would literally reach out to them. Like if they say that they were doing the garage sale from, I don't know, from uh, seven until 12, I would reach out to them at 1030. And I would say on Sunday, I would wait till the last day. And I would message them on Facebook and say, hey, if you still have some stuff left over from your garage sale, you don't want to take it in the house, let me know. And that was one of my strategies is I know how labor intensive it is Mm -hmm. to bring all that stuff, drag it all back into your house, set up all those tables, all the money, all that stuff. So I would literally reach out to them like when they were on on the tail end of their garage sale and say, hey, if you got some stuff that you're just, you know, you don't want to take back in the house, let me know if you want to donate it and I'll come by and pick it up. Can you think of other methods of selling that's not like, I would say, mainstream? And, and I have a feeling that you know about this because, you know, you we're, we're going to talk more about the, the conference you have coming up. Uh, but with this conference, uh, when I look at the, the list of speakers, I was like, you know, I've never even heard of some of these speakers. I'm looking at what they do. I'm like, whoa, I never thought about that. You know, um, so in the past, you know, with your students or with with other you know speakers, guest speakers you've had at your conferences, what are a couple strategies or unique things that you would probably venture to say that 98% of people like never even thought of? <laughs> well, besides, you know, we, we teach a lot of retail arbitrage and online arbitrage. We teach uh, thrifting and going out and thrifting and flipping. Um, we also teach like the strategies that I previously talked about. We teach people how to sell on Macari and Poshmark, uh, different strategies on selling things on Etsy and what people are overlooking. We also teach like the. Wait, wait, hold, hold, let's go back to that. Uh, what um, I've never talked about the Macari and, uh, and Poshmark. So like, how is that different? Uh, than like an Etsy or eBay? Well, Macari and Poshmark, is the, I mean, it's the mobile app. So we teach people how to sell on the mobile apps and Facebook Marketplace. But um, uh. we teach, because of the fact that you can make money, you can actually make a living selling on P- Macari and Poshmark. And the great thing about it is like Poshmark, you can actually like charge more than what you would think you could. And we're talking about the majority of the time, these are sometimes used things. Um, so each one of the platforms are different. You're running it completely from your mobile app and uh, you can list items that you've acquired, however you acquired them, whether you acquired them, some of the strategies I used, which was, you know, wait until the end of a garage sale and say, hey, I'll come pick up your stuff, you know, reaching out to your community, you know, your next door neighbor, your family members and friends saying, hey, give me the stuff that you were going to donate to the Salvation Army and I'll take it or reaching out to your church members and say, give it to me. And then you literally take amazing pictures of those things. You need a like a ring light or maybe a shadow box or whatever it is, or just a white piece of paper and a really good camera and include as much detail as possible so that that way the person that is interested in it can buy it. You have to take, you have to learn how to, when you're selling with the mobile apps or any platform, you have to do really a really good job with your photos and you definitely have to do a good job with your titling and keywords. Yeah, your listing. And one of the things about that though is you've got a completely different audience. So when you look at a Poshmark, you know, you've got people that will go to Poshmark looking for specific things. When you look at an Etsy, when you look at a Grailed, when you look at Macari or OfferUp, you've got, they have very specific audiences. And Mm -hmm. so, um, you know, you've got people that, like Nicole said, that will make, you know, like a whole living (laughs) on one of the one or more of those apps. And so we've got um, inside of our academy, we've got like whole training programs just on the mobile apps. We talk about safety. We talk about um, shipping. We talk about all of those things. Interesting. Interesting. Now, let me let me just throw out some of my 
unique uh, experience here or recently. I'm not sure if I've talked about this on the podcast, but you know, you, you had me thinking about that when you when you're talking about thrift stops or, or or garage sales. But let me just tell everybody out there who's listening. I don't know what has happened, but baseball cards and like Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh cards oh, yeah. the last oh, year yeah. is just ridiculous. So my dad, 20 years ago, he had a little, you know, before, you know, there was all this dot-com stuff. He, he had this little thing going on where he would fly back and forth from Japan and he was like just buying, going to all the toy stores he could in Japan, buying up all these boxes of Yu-Gi-Oh and Pokemon cards wow. uh, when it was really hot here in America. And then he just fly back and forth. And, and then sell it to like shops and stuff. But then mm-hmm. that bubble burst or something then, and he was just stuck with like just tons and tons of stuff. And it's been sitting in a garage wow. for uh, about, you know, the last 20 years. And then when, when the Pokemon Go started coming back a couple of years ago, he's like, hey, why don't you, I found all this stuff. Why don't you list it? So like at the time I was just, I thought I was making a killing. Like, you know, um, I was selling this stuff for him, like these boxes that he probably paid like 50 bucks for. And we were selling a, a box of 60 packs for uh, about a thousand dollars. And I was just like, oh my goodness, this is just, you know, I even feel bad. I'm making this kind of money. But those, I wish I would have held onto it for one more year. I had a little bit left. Right now, let me just tell you, like a box of 60 packs that I sold for $1,200 and felt guilty about it. Those packs now are going for over $300 each. These unopened 20-year-old Japanese packs, the same exact ones. So guys, if you are out there and you are checking garage sales, uh, I heard some nods, uh, some verbal nods over there. Are you, are you all seeing the same thing about how baseball yes, cards and stuff yes. are going it's crazy? It's not just baseball cards. So let me just tell you, we had this whole discussion within our leadership. We were talking about the old, like the Nintendo, like the old, the old stuff, like classics. And we yeah. were talking about how much some of that stuff is going for. So uh, one of the other things that we always talk about as far as our training is we tell people like, don't overlook like selling things that are not working because mm. people buy things for parts. They buy it in pieces. And so they just need that, you know, this one button or they need this one wheel or whatever it happens to be. So list the broken stuff too. All right, guys, quick break from this episode for my BTS, Bradley's 30 seconds. Here is my 30 second tip of the day. We've been talking a little bit today about selling things on eBay. So one little trick, like if you're not sure how much something costs, you know, you can search for it and see what things are bidding for, people what people are bidding for right now. But don't always go by that because just because the bids are at or the asks are at a certain price, that doesn't mean that it's selling for that price. So after searching, hit the little uh, filter on eBay that says looking at completed or ended items and which ones actually sold and go by that price to have an accurate idea of what you should price your products you're trying to sell on eBay. I'm going to ask both of you all this question, but 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 speaking of the different making a killings for different people, like if I were to ask you what one story, you know, from one of your students or uh, somebody, you know, that sticks out the most in your mind, you don't need to say their name or exactly what they sold. But but it's more like, you know, one of these two minute stories where it's like, hey, they started here, they started doing this and then now they're here. And like something that's most inspiring to you to, to when you think back to it. I love it. Okay. So when I first started selling in e-commerce, I wanted to save the world. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, this could change everybody's life or whatever. So I was at a um, a women's uh, church event and I was telling all the ladies, I was like, look, I started selling online, you know, six or seven months ago. And I've actually been working on my own for about the last 14 years. So, you know, that in and of itself was inspiring, you know, to some women, but uh, there was a lady that was sitting there. I didn't know her. She was at the church event. You know, she's like, let me get your number. So I gave her my number. We started talking. And literally, I think it may have been about six months later, she had been working in the um, 
in the school district here. I had only moved here maybe about a year prior. She had been working in the school district for 26 years. And uh, suffice it to say, she hated her job. (laughs) And within about six months, she was able to quit her job. She was able to quit her job. And for me, it was great because now all of a sudden I had a shopping buddy. So we would go out, you know, late at night. We had Hatchimal stories. We've got fingerling stories. We've got all kinds of stuff. But for me, it was absolutely great because, you know, it literally changed the landscape of everything that was going on. You know, it's like, okay, she now was able to contribute more to, you know, her family budget. She was able to take trips. She went with me on my milestone birthday trip. She'd never been on a trip without her family, all of that stuff. It was great. Love it. Love it. Nicole, you have a, a story that sticks out in your mind? Yeah, I do. It's actually a recent story. So we offered our 90-day um, our, our ninety day intensive for Q4 uh, for, the, um, for our Walmart training. And we had one of our team members came back and she showed her numbers by the end of December. She was at 22,000. So it's a 90-day game plan. Mm-hmm. She came in, I think, on week three, week two or week three. So she didn't even start at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And by um, by December, the beginning of December, she was already at twenty two thousand. And she sent a picture and she said, "Thank you so much for helping me. I just never would have thought that this would have happened. I just never would have thought." So I love those stories because yep. you know yep. we're me, both of us are single moms. Um, I my have two special needs kids, and so I've helped so many moms that have special needs kids try to figure out how to make this work because when you have Every single month, you have all these medical expenses for your child, and you have mm-hmm. to see all these specialists that are not covered by your insurance or they're considered out of network. You got to have that extra money to be able to do those things. And so, you know, doing e commerce has changed my life personally, but I just watch, you know, family after family that we impact and say, now I can get that specialized test. Now I can see that that specialist that's out of network for me. Now we can start this therapy, and I didn't have the money before, but now I do. So I love those stories. Yeah, as do I. And and so, you know, we have tons of listeners here. So if you're out there thinking, hey, that I wonder if that could be me. Hey, guys, you know, it could be, you know, the, as I said, you know, every single person who comes on this, uh, the show, we always talk about their their backstories and uh, and it's always from different backgrounds. Now, in this case, it happens to be next door neighbors and they kind of grew up together. So <laughs> a little bit. This is probably the most similar we're going to get for a backstory for two people. But all the other 250 episodes, everybody else was was pretty different. So so, so well, just I guys out there. One, go ahead. Go ahead. I tell you something about your Pokemon story. So I when okay. you said Pokemon. I wanted you to know. So we were doing um, we were doing the bundles, Pokemon bundles from uh, the Dollar Tree. And I want to say this is like 2016. And so I literally drove all over. The, I live in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. So I drove mm-hmm. all over Metroplex to get these pieces that we put together for this bundle. We created this amazing bundle. And it was selling out time after time after time after time. It was all these just different pieces. All of it was 100% sourced from the Dollar Tree. And um, and we literally cleaned out every single Dollar Tree in the Dallas-Fort Worth area to make these bundles because you had to have the specific pieces. And they would just completely fly off the shelf on eBay. I mean, I'm sorry, on Amazon. It was amazing. So I was just cool. going to say Pokemon sales and we know that. Yep. And, the, yep, and there's absolutely. a bunch of Dollar Trees in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. <laughs> there's a bunch. Yeah, we don't have too many uh, out here, but yeah, I remember when driving through Texas, I, w- I seemed like I, I would see that in every corner over there. That and um, Whataburger. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. We, love <laughs> yeah. we don't have that out here in California, but, but y'all don't have uh, yeah. In-N-Out. 
Well, um, yeah, no, we have an in and out. We have an in and out in and out now. We do. And wow, that brings I didn't up know they something else. Very interesting, Brad. Just just, just to um, uh-huh. tell your listeners this, if they are wondering what they can sell, like we get these stories all the time, but you just mentioned that you don't have Whataburger. If they're in mm-hmm. California, they can source Whataburger and sell it all day long on Amazon because when people live in areas where they can't get what they had, where they came from, they go online to buy it. So I can tell you that there are people that buy Whataburger ketchup online every day. That was one of my top sellers in all of 17, all of 18, and all of 19. Yeah. Yeah. So Bucky's is another one. Like people don't have Bucky's if you were from Texas. I don't even know what that is. It's a (laughs) Bucky's. It's like a convenience. It's a whole convenience store. It's a a marketing mecca. It's a marketing mecca is is what it is. It is a marketing mecca. But they sell all these Bucky's things. And so people who live somewhere else and they live in Texas and then they move Mm -hmm. somewhere they're like, oh, I missed Bucky's and I want some Bucky's. And so they will order things. And so uh, one of the things that we teach people how to sell is consumables or steady eddies or, you know, your replenishables. Yeah. Things that, yeah. oh, okay, I eat up this bag of whatever they are, cheese curls, and they're gone. Let's get some more cheese curls. So uh, we would sell them uh-huh. sell food on eBay. I'm telling you, I've sold cereal on eBay. I've sold all kinds of stuff. Because most people sell it, like you sell it on Amazon, but some people overlook the opportunity to sell certain perishable goods on eBay as well. Yeah, but regional like stuff, just you know, just keep in mind regional stuff, stuff that you like where you are. If you ever moved away and wouldn't be able to get it, you're going to go online and buy it because you sure. like it. Hot sauce, ke- uh, barbecue sauce, ketchup. Like I mean, that region sells Texas, like crazy. That's a Texas thing. Like crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. Now we're we're gonna get uh, in a couple of seconds into your your thirty second tips. That's like a little little feature that we do on the show. But before then, you know, I was talking a little bit earlier about conferences, and I and I love going to like unique uh, conferences. Um, and you know, just here at Helium Ten, we we like uh, attending unique conferences because sometimes you can go to you start going to the Amazon conferences, and and it becomes like all the same. You know, I know. Uh, we got Karen and Cassandra here who are going to be speaking at a branded by women uh, conference. That's, that's kind of unique. It was, it's all female uh, speakers there. So that, that's a, a, an interesting one, but, but uh, y'all invited me to speak at your conference. And I remember, you know, I turned down a lot of conferences, a lot of speaking roles, but when I saw that, as soon as I saw it, I was just like, this is, this is like unique. It's different. Like I didn't recognize one speaker, you know, sometimes all the speakers in the Amazon world, is always, almost always the, the same. And that's great. You know, we're all buddies and stuff, but, but, you're hearing the same thing over and over again. Me as a speaker going, going to these, but I was like, you know what, if I go here, I'm going to like hear a lot of things for the first time. So can you talk about that, that conference uh, y'all have coming up? Yeah. So the Ecom Seller Summit is coming up. It's February the 22nd through the 25th. And of course it's hundred percent online. And I created the Ecom Seller Summit because of course my kiddos, I am that person that can't travel like everybody else. And I miss the opportunity to be able to go to conferences. So we were doing the online summits before, you know, COVID hit. Like we, 2019 was when I launched the e-com. So technically we launched it in 2018, but we didn't have our first summit until 2019. And so now we've hosted a total of six summits, online summits. Um, and we're excited to continue this journey because I know that there are people prior to COVID, there were people that can't travel because they have kids or they may have something going on. And it's not, you know, they don't have the flexibility to be able to, you know, I have to have somebody watch my kids. I got to get on a plane. I got to rent a hotel. I got to pay for food and all this other stuff. And what if I could get all the same speakers that would be walking across the stage? What if I could get all of them 
online in the convenience of my home and I could watch it at whenever my schedule permitted. Now it's a thing because of course of COVID, but prior to that, you know, there were people that were doing random summits here and there. And so I created it because of that. And we wanted to be able to represent all things e-commerce. Every time we would see anything or do anything, we would always see, I'm sorry, it would always be male dominated. And I was like, there are women out here doing e-commerce. How come people don't know that women do e-commerce too? And then you weren't seeing a lot of diversity. It's like, okay, there are people of other colors doing e-commerce. Why do we see a lot of that? So I was intentional about the Ecom Seller Summit because I wanted to make sure that women were represented in the space because there's a lot of amazing women doing amazing stuff when it comes to e-commerce. And I wanted to make sure that minorities were represented. We cover everything e-commerce. We'll talk about flipping. We'll talk about couponing. We'll talk about thrifting. We'll talk about print on demand. We'll talk about private label. We talk about drop shipping. We talk about wholesale. We talk about everything, prep centers, you name it. Mm-hmm. Whatever it is, we talk about trips to China. We cover all things e-commerce. There isn't an area of e-commerce that we don't talk about. Okay, so then what's the uh, what's the website if people want to go uh, check it out? It is www.ecomsellersummit.com. So it's E-C-O-M, one M, not two, www.ecomsellersummit.com. Ecom sellers, two S's. Sellers. <laughs> you got to put the extra S in there. Ecomsellersummit.com. Yes. Here's a funny story. Two years in a row, we won this poll uh, by, by um, I forgot what it's called, uh, seller poll or seller's poll, something like that. But for the the favorite Amazon podcast, and we get this big, huge plaque and, and everything. And both times they misspell this podcast. It's serious sellers with a S, but they always put serious seller podcast. So the struggle is real. I, I, I know. What you well, she made sure she S. said it was one M, but I want to make sure she says it's two M. Yeah. <laughs> yes. All right. No now worries. we have this part of the show we call the tss or TST 30 second tip. So you all have been giving us uh, strategies, you know, throughout the whole episode, but uh, we're going to, we're going to have each of you give one, but you know, think of something that you haven't mentioned yet. That's, you know, highly actionable, uh, fairly unique, but that you could try and say 30 seconds or less. I'm not going to cut you off, but that's, that's the goal here. Uh, Renata, do you want to start? Um, sure. Okay. So I actually specialize in RA before COVID. I do a lot of OA now, but if you're interested in RA, I suggest that you um, set a schedule. That's the first thing. Be very, um, you know, go oriented about it. I like to tell people to either set a schedule where you're hitting all of one store, um, either, you know, once or twice a week or all of one area. So in other words, if you're going to do all the targets in your area, all the Dollar Trees in your area, whatever that looks like, or if you're going to hit a specific area and hit everything in it. So if you've got um, TJ Maxx, if you've got Burlington, if you've got, you know what I mean? So if you've got a, a very retail heavy area and you're going to go through it, it saves you a lot of time. It makes it very easy to kind of get all of your shopping done in one day and then come home and get your listing done. Otherwise, what you end up doing is running all over the place, running here and there, not getting a lot done. If you're very mm-hmm. intentional about it and you set your schedule up this way every single week, you're either going to do one or the other. Then you, if you've got coupons, if you, you know, you're be able to check the ads, you're able to get all your ducks in a row before you go out. Then when you come home, you can spend that time listing everything that you've got and making sure that you are as productive as possible. And that is my biggest tip because most of the time we get out there, we get all of this stuff, we get it home. And unless it's listed, it's not making you money. So you want to make sure that you're actually doing those, you know, those um, 
income producing activities. All right. Thank you. Nicole, can you kind of stick closer to 30 seconds than uh, Renata did? Right? <laughs> I thought I did a great job. Yeah, you, you just straight took all of Nicole's time. Like you, you got about five seconds. Uh, Nicole, no, nah, no, nah, go, go ahead, Nicole, whenever you're ready. Oh my God, that is hilarious. Okay. So I'm going to say, uh, sorry, I will say two things, but I'll be short. Um, the one thing that I say that most people do not think about when they're on this journey is that they need to build a real work schedule a real work schedule that you can follow and that is realistic for your lifestyle, whatever's happening in your life, because everybody's life is different. And make sure that you follow it because if you follow the schedule, it will build the habits. The habits will build the consistency. The consistency will build the money. The second thing is look for opportunities for bundles. I think a lot of people overlook that opportunity and there are bundles everywhere. If you are putting something in the cart, what is it that you could that you would probably also buy with it? Think about the salt and pepper shaker. And buy, uh, sell things that you can put together in bundles because bundles, you can increase your ROI. That's it. Six. Love it. Five, I love it. All right. <laughs> All right. Uh, Renata, do, do you, do you see how well Nicole follows instruction? Oh my gosh. I thought <laughs> I did a great job. You. Now, you, you, hey, you gave 3x the value. There you go. All right. Um, so uh, I'll definitely be seeing you in a little bit at that conference. And anybody else who, who's going to join, you know, make sure to give me a shout out in the chat or something. I want to reach out to you next year and hopefully get some more inspiring stories about some of your students uh, on what they've done or what you, what you all have done this year in 2021. So thank you for coming on the show. And we'll definitely want, want you all back here. Absolutely. Thanks well, for I having us. And I just really am so thankful for the fact that you're part of the summit. Thank you for saying yes to us. Thank you for being part of the summit and to sh for sharing the value that you're going to be sharing with all of the people who register. Absolutely. Thank you.